Hey, welcome to the Lifehouse Newport News podcast. Thanks for joining us. Our vision is to bring life change through Christ to all people. And we believe that happens when people say yes to Jesus, do life together, get in the game, and leave a legacy. We hope this podcast inspires and challenges you to grow in your faith. Subscribe to ensure you don't miss a single episode and share it with someone you know who may need it. Again, thank you for joining us today. Now let's get to this week's episode. Today, y'all, we are finishing up or continuing. Next week is the final week of our series, Live Like Jesus. And kind of the whole point with this series was to, to say, okay, Jesus was our Savior, and we love him as that, right? He died on the cross in our place and for our sin, and we appreciate that. But at the same time, Jesus wasn't just the Savior. He was also this, the example for us of somebody that we just aren't called to say, okay, we accept him as Savior. We're called to follow him as the example. And there are four Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, that talk about the kind of life that Jesus the, the Jesus lived, and we are called then to say, how did Jesus live and follow in his footsteps? So the thing is this, right? We have been checking out not just, not just Jesus as Savior, but Jesus as the example. And our theme verse has been John 10, 10, which you've been in church any time, you know this. Jesus said this, I came to give you life and give it to you what? More abundantly, and I think that word abundantly, honestly, is a bad translation. I'm not a Bible translator, but at the same time, that word could also be translated as uncommon, extraordinary, superior. Basically saying Jesus came to give you life, and life uncommon, extraordinary, and superior. And that is the life that we have been checking out that Jesus invites us into with this series. And today, though, I want to talk to you. Live like Jesus, being filled with and empowered by the Holy Spirit. Today is Pentecost Sunday. And some some of you, you might be like, what does that even mean? Pentecost, what is that? Pentecost Sunday is basically a day on the church calendar where the church celebrates the coming of the Holy Spirit. We're going to get to this today. And here's what I need from from you. I have about a 90-minute sermon that I need to get done in 35 minutes, just to be candid with you. So I need you to engage. Can, can y'all do that? Like, I need y'all to engage, listen, talk about, like, whatever you have to do to stay engaged today. I'm going to be rolling. So I need y'all to roll with me. I need y'all to get in the back and let's go, because y'all, I believe, because here's the thing, I believe today, if you have ears to hear, God will touch your life today. Because here's the thing, to live the kind of life Jesus lived, we have to be filled with and empowered by the same spirit Jesus had. And Jesus was filled with the Holy Spirit. We can see, here's the thing, right? Jesus showed us the kind of life that is possible through, through a person that is filled with the power of the Holy Spirit and governed by consistency and discipline. Last week, I talked to you how Jesus was governed by consistency and discipline. And I haven't heard so much feedback about about a sermon in a while. Like, y'all really dug that one. I mean, I had people that haven't said nothing to me ever, like, yo, Pastor, thank you for saying that. That was amazing. I was like, wow, okay, people listening. Okay, right? 
But honestly, yes, Jesus showed us a life that was governed by consistency and discipline, but at the same time, Jesus was also filled with, with a particular kind of spirit. What we see Jesus, Jesus showing, showing us, and Paul brought up in Philippians chapter 2, is that Jesus emptied himself of his divine privileges. Not that he lost them. He didn't lose them because even Jesus said, I could call right, right now during Passion Week 3,000 angels to come and jack all y'all up. But I'm not going to do that. Why? Because I want to be in obedience. So here's the thing. Jesus, though, it says he set, uh, he set aside his divine privileges and was filled with the Holy Spirit and governed by consistency and, and discipline because Jesus shows us what kind of life is possible for you. Why? Because you can be governed and led by the same Holy Spirit that filled him. And you have the capability to be led by consistency and discipline as well. Jesus didn't want you to have excuses. He wanted you to have everything available that was there for him. Being filled with and empowered by the Holy Spirit. Even saying those two words, Holy Spirit, y'all, there can be so much division in the church. If you've been in church any amount of time, this is why we have different denominations. It's because people literally said, we view and think the Holy Spirit does this or does that. We believe this, so we're just going to start our own denomination and have, and have what doctrine we think the Bible says. I mean, there have been people killed over this. There have been churches split over this. There have been denominations started over the Holy Spirit. Like, that is crazy to me. I grew up in a really Pentecostal church, so they were like, yo, and I mean, you know, it was like, holy, it, it, I mean, Sundays, you didn't know what was going to happen. A lot of y'all know what's going to happen whenever you come to Lifehouse. When we were growing up, we went to church, we didn't know what was going to happen. We didn't know who was going to yell, who was going to shout, who was going to bark like a dog, who was going to let out crazy noises during the service. We didn't know if we were going to have preaching. We, it, was, it was just like saying, but then the thing is, though, some of you might have grown up in a, in a church where you almost felt like it was kind of dead and cold. It's like even mentioning the Holy Spirit was like, nah, the Holy Spirit's weird. Let's put him in the back seat. Like, we believe there is a Holy Spirit, but we, we're going to put a seatbelt on the Holy Spirit to say what he can do. Right? And so there has been denominations started, divisions happening, and here's what I want to to challenge you to do today, because I don't know a lot of y'all's past with the Holy Spirit. I don't even know if, if when I say that, it produces weirdness in you. It produces, like, I don't know that. But here's the thing. I want you to create a clear canvas today. I want you to create, to create a clear canvas today and, and say, God, I want you to speak to me today on who the Holy Spirit is and what the Holy Spirit can, can do. Because here's the thing. There might be divisions on what we believe about the Holy Spirit or what people believe, but one thing is definitely true that we see. We can't deny the Holy Spirit's importance in the life of a Christian, which we are going to bring up and bring out later. But here are my goals today, all right? My, my goals today, number one, answer, who is the Holy Spirit? Number two, what role did the Holy Spirit play in Jesus' life and what did he say? Thirdly, what role did the Holy Spirit play in the early church, and fourthly, what does the Holy Spirit want to do in your life right now? Give somebody a, I don't know, fist bump, high five, and say, are you ready? All right, we're diving in. All right, 
Who is the Holy Spirit? The Holy Spirit is God. I don't have time to walk through the Trinity, which is kind of the Christian belief, the Christian belief that God is three and one, one and three. Okay, okay here, here's the thing. The series that I did, Love Like Jesus, the first part, I covered that. So what I would challenge you to do is go back and listen to the first part of the Love Like Jesus series where I explicitly share about the Trinitarian nature of God, but this, but to put it bluntly and succinctly, the Holy Spirit is God, all right? You see so many times in Scripture where, where you've got the Father, the Son, and the Spirit mentioned together, and one of those times is found in Matthew chapter 3, verses 13 through 17. We're going to start here today. Let me set this up for you. This is right before Jesus started his public ministry. He went and did his thing. He got trained for 30 years, and this was right before he started his public ministry. We're going to pick up here. The apostle Matthew says this here. It says, then Jesus went from Galilee to the Jordan River to be baptized by John, but John tried to talk him out of it. He said, look, I'm the one that needs to be baptized by you. He's a smart man. (laughs) Said, so why are you coming to me? But Jesus said, it should be done. For we must carry out all that God requires, so God, so John agreed to baptize him. It says this, after his baptism, as Jesus came out of the water, the heavens were open, and he saw the Spirit of God descending like a dove and settling on him. And a voice from heaven said, this is my dearly beloved son who brings me great joy. Do you see here the voice of the Father affirming his son? The Son of God being affirmed by his Father and the Holy Spirit settling on him and filling him. Father, Son, Spirit. The Father's voice, the Son receiving, and the Holy Spirit filling. Now, here's the thing, right? Before Jesus went and did a thing ministry-wise, he had three things happen. He was baptized as basically a public declaration saying, I'm going to follow what my Father requires. And here's the thing, shameless plug. June 6th at Lifehouse, we are doing a baptism after each service where, here's the thing, right? We're going to set something up right outside. We're going to baptize you right out there. So if you have not been baptized, you need to follow the example of Jesus and be baptized. Here's the thing. It is basically you publicly saying, I'm on Jesus' team. It doesn't save you. It 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 doesn't make you better. In the same way, a wedding ring, right, here's the thing, a wedding ring is a symbol. It's saying, I got a wife, leave me alone, right? It's, but I don't have mine on today, sorry. (laughs) Love you, baby. (laughs) Still, leave me alone, okay? Is my wife here today? Hey, baby, I couldn't see you. That's my wife, leave me alone, okay? I don't need a wedding ring, I got my wife's presence, okay? I got the Holy Spirit and the spirit of my wife, okay? She showed up, right? She showed up on time. But here's the thing, (laughs) baptism is simply that. It's basically saying, I am on Jesus. So here's the thing, if you have said yes to following Jesus, your next step is to be publicly baptized. Why? Jesus did it. Secondly, though, Jesus was filled with the Holy Spirit. He didn't go and do a thing for, for his father until he had power. And thirdly, he received the affirmation of his father. And Y'all, these are the three things that you need in your life as well before you try to do anything for God. You need to publicly devote yourself that I'm going to follow in obedience. 
and I'm going to say it before people. Because, you know, people saw Jesus baptized, so they were like, oh, I'm going to watch you now. But at the same time, you need a church, a church family that you get baptized in front of where you're saying, I want to publicly follow Christ. And the church family comes and says, we're with you. We're here for you. We're proud of you for taking this step. But secondly, he said, secondly, though, Jesus was filled with the power of the Holy Spirit. And thirdly, he was affirmed as a son by his father. And, and y'all, I think in Christianity, we do it all backwards. Obedience is somewhat optional. If you want to, yeah, maybe. You know, if, if, if you feel it. The spirit, there's so much division in the church. We don't even know what the, who the Holy Spirit is or what the Holy Spirit does no more. And third, we try with, within our own willpower to live this thing out. And, and, and then too, we try to actually earn what God has already freely given you, and that is a new identity in him. We get it all mixed up. The three things Jesus started with was publicly declaring, I'm going to follow in my father's steps. I'm going to be filled with the Holy Spirit. And I am going, what was the third one? I don't remember. And, and I'm going to receive the affirmation of being a son in my father's eyes. You need those three, three things too. Here's the thing, right? Jesus is full of the Holy Spirit. Check this out. Luke chapter 4. He then starts his public ministry. What's the first thing that happens? He hits the wilderness says, then Jesus, full of the Holy Spirit, whoa, let's go, shouting, dun, 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 Holy Spirit, you are welcome here, come flood, and then the next thing you know, that leads you, that leads you, that led him right into the wilderness, don't be shocked, when you hit a high with God, your next place is the wilderness, Don't be shocked. If it was good enough for Jesus, it's probably going to be good enough for you because he knew he had to be filled so he could go and face what he was going to face as testing. It says, full of the Holy Spirit, returned from the Jordan River where he was baptized. He was led by the Spirit into the wilderness. Don't see some of the stuff we call devil. It's actually the Spirit leading you to a place to get stronger. I'm serious. He said he was led by the Spirit to the wilderness. So don't be shocked if sometimes you find yourself in dry, nasty, scorching hot places because if it was good enough for God, it'll be good enough for you. But when you get to those places, it's a time of silence and solitude and training to get your spirit focused on who and where your spirit should be focused on. Here's, Here's the deal. You see Jesus full of the Holy Spirit, goes to the wilderness, Then you see his public ministry happen. He's healing people. He's raising people from the dead. He's feeding thousands of people. That's why I encourage you, read the Gospels, y'all. If you're going to start anywhere in the Bible, Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, gorge yourself on Jesus. You might say, I don't don't fully understand everything. Just keep reading. You know, whenever you do a science book, history book, you don't understand everything, but you'll do it for your class. Just keep on chucking, reading, learning everything you can about Jesus. But here's the thing, right? Jesus, before he went, before he died, you know, right before Passion Week, he met with his disciples, and he basically said, y'all, I have to prepare you and tell you about a couple things. One of those things Jesus said in John chapter 16, verse 7, he said this to his disciples. He said, But in fact, and so here's the thing, right, set this up. He's with his disciples, and he's basically giving them one final talk before he goes to the cross and is killed. 
So all they've known Jesus as is the savior, healer, preacher, proclaimer. And now he's preparing them to say, hey, you're going to see me die. But when you see me die, I need to remind you about a few things. And I need to make sure that, yeah, you're going to be confused. You're going to be worried. You're going to be all over the place. But let me tell you, he said this. He said, but in fact, it is best for you. He's talking about the disciples, and he's talking about us. It is best for you that I go away. Now, I don't know about you. As a disciple at that point, I'd be like, no, it's not. Jesus, we need you here. You can't go. He said, it is best for you that I go away because if I don't, the advocate, the Holy Spirit won't come. If I do go away, then I will send him to you. Jesus said, it's actually better that I go. Why? Because when I go, I'm going to send you something even better than who I am. Not better than in, 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 in so far as quality, in so far as personhood and stuff like that. But here's the thing. Jesus couldn't, no, I'm not going to say that because you're going to take me out of context. So here's the thing. He can't be everywhere. Because even Jesus was filled with the Holy Spirit. What Jesus did, he did emptying his divine privileges, but filled with the Spirit. So he said, look, I'm just, I've laid aside the divine privileges. And I'm going to go and take that back up whenever I leave. But while I'm here, it's better for you that the physical form of me leaves, because then I'm going to send the Spirit to be in all y'all. Who is God living inside of you. So he says, it won't come to send, send them to you. But then Jesus even said this, and that is the wrong verse that I gave you. I'm sorry. So it is not John 14, 6. Totally messed that up. So let me find, anyway, it was, here's the, here's the thing. Jesus said, said this. I'm going to reference it. He said, I'm, and he's talking to his disciples in the same framework here. He said, ask me and I will give you the Holy Spirit to be with you and to be with you forever so what he was saying was i'm i'm a good like father's a good father i'm gonna go there and when i go there he's gonna pour his holy spirit out next slide not the john 14 6 1 because that was completely wrong all right so here's the thing right acts chapter one right so here's the thing follow Follow me here. Jesus, he goes to the cross. He dies. His disciples are disoriented. Peter, who said, I'll never, I'll never uh, give up on, on you, Jesus. He was the first one bailing. Okay? Like couldn't stand up to no one. Right? Jesus goes, dies, but then Jesus resurrects. That's what we see, man. Sunday, Easter Sunday, we celebrate the fact that death was defeated, that death had death. There was a funeral for death where Jesus said death doesn't have to reign now. And here's the thing, right? Jesus, he resurrects, and then we see this. The church, the, no, see, no, it wasn't the church yet. Acts chapter 1, Luke, who also wrote the book of Luke, wrote the book of Acts. And the book of Acts is a recorded history of the early church. And this is where it starts at, right? This is what it's, it says here. Once when he, and he being Jesus, was eating with them, the disciples, it says he commanded them. So here's the thing, right? You, you've, got, you've got these disciples who saw Jesus die. He's now sitting with them. There's probably some skepticism. This is a ghost. Is this real? Am I dreaming? Am I on drugs? But Jesus is sitting there with them, and, and he's talking to them. And what it actually says before this is Jesus was with them for a period of 40 days and 40 and 40 nights, giving them convincing proofs that it was him. So even they were a little skeptical because they had never seen this before. 
Then it, so then it says this here, once when he was eating with them, he commanded them, do not leave Jerusalem is where they were. Do not leave Jerusalem until the father sends you the gift he promised, as I told you before, right? So now they're like, John 16, 7, it's better that I go so he can send the Holy Spirit. <gasps> okay, so stuff is starting to like click, right? Then, 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 uh, then he says, John baptized with water, who Jesus was baptized by, but in just a few days, you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. Basically saying the water baptism shows that you want to publicly follow, but then I'm going to baptize your spirit to give you a power to do what you can't do in and of yourself. That's why it says here, Acts 1.8, a couple verses later, Jesus said this, but you, and he's talking about the disciples, and he's talking about us right here, right now, those who follow him, will receive power, everyone say power, when the Holy Spirit comes upon you, and you will be my witnesses, telling people about me everywhere in Jerusalem, throughout Judea and Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. So here's the thing. Jesus is, is saying that when you are baptized in, in the Holy Spirit, you will receive a power. And that word power there is the Greek word dynamis, which is where we get our word dynamite. Basically saying it's going to be this power inside of you that is going to be explosive beyond your capacity. But then, but then he says this, right? Here's the thing. Jesus says the Spirit will give you a supernatural power, but also in the, the point of the Holy Spirit is to ultimately empower you to be his witness. And that, and that word there, witness, is the Greek word martis, which is where we get the word martyr. Basically saying you will receive a power that will empower you to live for this thing and speak about this thing even to the point of if it costs you your life. But the thing is, that Greek word martis has also got a legal connotation to it. Essentially saying martises were what would be within the courtroom whenever somebody would go and give testimony and witness to what they had experienced. And, and Jesus was saying the Spirit will give you the power to witness, to talk about, testify to what Jesus has done in your life. Now, here's the thing, right? He, Jesus tells him, wait. Wouldn't that suck? So you're sitting there waiting. It doesn't say how long they waited. So they're just waiting. Can you imagine the waiting? Yo, Jesus said he was going to send us his spirit. And the thing is this, Jesus left. He ascended. He, he was like, yo, spirit's going to get y'all. I'm out. I'm going to go to my father. I'll see y'all in a little bit, you know? And he just leaves. And now they're waiting. And then we find ourselves Acts chapter 2. Acts chapter 2. So hopefully y'all can see what we're doing here. I'm giving you a flyover 30,000 foot of the book of Acts and the Holy Spirit movement, okay? So then it says this here. On the day of Pentecost, Pentecost Sunday, and, and let me tell you this. Pentecost was actually a Jewish holiday where Jewish, where God-fearing Jews would gather from all around the world and pilgrimage to Jerusalem to basically pay, to pay respects, to celebrate, have festivals and stuff like that to worship their God, Jehovah God. And so it, so it says here, on the day of Pentecost, all the believers were meeting together in one place. Everyone say one place. Suddenly, everyone say suddenly. There was a sound from heaven like the roaring of a mighty windstorm and it filled 
the house where they were sitting. Then what looked like flames or tongues of fire appeared and settled on each of them. And everyone present was filled with the Holy Spirit and began speaking in languages as the Holy Spirit gave them this ability. Now, here's the thing, right? So they were sitting there waiting, waiting. Suddenly, the moment came. It filled the place, and then it filled people. It filled the place, and then it filled people. And there were public signs showing that these people had been filled with and baptized by the Holy Spirit. Now, if you've been in church, let's just be candid, right? All y'all who grew up Pentecostal, when the Holy Spirit moves, there's typically three reactions to the Holy Spirit that I think would almost categorize us, all right? And these are brought up. Luke actually brings these up. Check these out, Acts chapter 2, verse 12. It says, they, and they being the crowds, stood there amazed and perplexed. Like, whoa! What can this mean? They asked each other. So there were there, there was some that, that was like, yeah, okay. I don't, I don't get this. And then in verse number 13, it says this, but others in the crowd ridiculed them, saying, yo, they're just drunk. That's all. So here's the thing. Some people were, were like, this is amazing. Some people were like, I don't understand this. And some people joked it. And there's typically one of those three reactions that happens within the church when it comes to the Holy Spirit. Some people are like, yes, let's get it. Some are like, oh, it's okay, but I just don't get it. And some are like, man, that's that crazy Benny Hinn stuff. Let's just be candid. Because people have abused the Holy Spirit. And it makes me sick. Because it draws attention to them instead of to God. which the Holy Spirit even... Jesus even said the whole purpose of the Holy Spirit's job is to point people to Jesus. And if it's not doing that and it's drawing attention to flawed, messed up people, that's not the point. So the thing is this, right? They were typical responses. What is your typical response whenever you think of or whenever you've seen or thought about the Holy Spirit? Are you saying, man, I, I want more of that, God. I want you to do it. Or are you like, you know what, it's cool, I just don't get it. Or, or have you, like, joked it? And that's why I asked you to create a clear canvas. Because here, here's the thing. What I have seen people do is they take the experience they've had and they want to project it onto everyone else. Well, I experienced, I experienced the Holy Spirit and people were speaking in tongues and there were people slain. We could call it slain in the spirit. Like how evil is that? I've slain you in the spirit. Like you murdered someone in the spirit? That's weird. No. But, but, but. Like, you know, and, and then they say, well, that's the way the Holy Spirit has to work on everybody. Or they say, you know what, I was in a quiet, you know, the Holy Spirit church, you know, quiet. Just, I just don't want to allow the Holy Spirit to, you know, do it. So then they say, well, that's what I want everyone to experience. Let me tell you what I want for this church and for your life. I want us to do whatever the heck the Holy Spirit wants to do. And, to have, and us to have a heart of receptivity. And not to project an experience we've had onto the Holy Spirit and say, you've got to do this this way, this time, this, in, in this person. I want us to say, Holy Spirit, you're welcome here. Whatever that looks like, we want it all. We want it all. Now, here's the thing. You saw the effect of the Holy Spirit. Because right after this, who was the first one getting up on a platform and preaching like a madman? Peter, the same dude that couldn't even stand up to a servant girl. He gets up, the Holy Spirit filled him, and he became 
a witness that was filled with the Holy Spirit. And three, it, Scripture says two, 3,000 people, not including women, not including ch- children, that day received Christ. The Holy Spirit's effect on Peter became boldness to proclaim the message he already believed. That is the effect of the Holy Spirit that we see. And we can typically just focus on the effect of the Holy Spirit in people. But I want to show you the effect of the Holy Spirit on a church community. Luke, or excuse me, Acts 2, 42 through, through 47. So here's the thing, right? This is the Holy Spirit drops, the Holy Spirit falls, people get saved, and then they're like, yo, what do we, I guess we got to form a community. Got a bunch of people, all believe the same thing, we all follow in Jesus. Like, how, I mean, can you imagine the chaos of that moment? Thousands of people at one time just start to follow Jesus, and you got some people like, yeah, well, the way we did it in the Jewish synagogue, you got all these opinions and stuff going on. But let me show you what, when the Holy Spirit fell, let me show you what kind of, of community formed. It said this, all the believers devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship and to sharing in meals and to prayer. A deep sense of awe came over all of them. And the apostles performed many miraculous signs and wonders. And all the believers met together in one place and shared everything they had. They sold their property and possessions and shared the money with those in need. They worshiped together at the temple each day, met in homes for the Lord's Supper, and shared their meals with great joy and generosity, all the while praising God and enjoying the goodwill of all the people. And each day the Lord added to their fellowship those who were being saved. Let me tell you the marks of a spirit-filled, spirit-empowered church, because typically we just focus on spirit, spirit-filled people. But let me talk to you about what a spirit-filled church looks like. He said this here, there was devotion and priority in people's lives. And it showed by learning, fellowshipping, eating, and prayer, people centered their lives around Jesus. Y'all, this ain't culture. Jesus is something we just add on. And if he fits, he fits. If he doesn't, he doesn't. I'm sorry. You know, I got 14 weeks of soccer camp. Sorry. If you can fit Jesus, I'll give you space. There was a supernatural devotion saying this thing matters more than anything. There was the power of God. It said signs and wonders. Like there was a supernatural power. Like, and typically whenever we say the Holy Spirit's moving, that's, that's what we think of. We just want to see the signs and wonders. That's a part of it, but that's not all of it. Like we pray that stuff happens. Like we, like we are right now waiting on a supernatural miracle confirmation that we can't wait to share, to share with you. But we want to get doctors, all that stuff, because we believe that stuff can and should be happening now in the church. There should be something supernatural about us. And that's why I'm saying the mark of a spirit-empowered and a spirit-filled church is, is the, of supernatural things happening. But it's not just that. It said there were signs, wonders, and then radical generosity. People selling, people basically saying, if I've got it, you've got it. If, if I have extra and you have need, it's fair game. There was radical generosity. Now, some of y'all are like, yeah, well, okay, okay so, okay, John, what, what do you want, communism? No, I want real community where we just don't say, oh, if you need anything, l- let me know. 
And, and we just say that, and it's just like, yeah, you know, if I got it. But there was actually radical generosity and radical sacrifice where people said, my stuff is not my stuff. I have surrendered my stuff to God, and I, if whatever he, who, whoever he wants to give it to, however I can contribute, I want to do it. They said they met together corporately and worshiped together in temple and homes. It was marked by joy, and many people started to follow Jesus. Y'all, I don't want one of these. I want it all. For Lifehouse Church, I want us to have a, the power of God. I want us to have radical generosity. I want us to fellowship, have fun, and party in a holy way, right? I want us to be marked by people following Jesus. I want us to be marked by radical joy. Yes, the Holy Spirit, we want the Holy Spirit, but this is what a Holy Spirit-empowered people leads to, a Holy Spirit-empowered and a Holy Spirit-filled church. Now, here's the thing. Yes, there's a work that Jesus, that, that the Spirit does within the church, but then there is the work that the Spirit does in people, in your life, individually. And let me tell you, what the Spirit gives, what the Spirit brings whenever you're filled and baptized in them is the Spirit brings two things, fruits and gifts that are talked about in Scripture. Let me talk to you about these. I don't have time to, to, dive, to, to dive into all of these, but I'm going to give you a 30,000-foot view of what the Spirit fills you with. Because some of you have been experiencing these things. You just haven't been able to put language to it. Okay, here's the thing. Romans 12, 6 through 8, 1 Corinthians 12. Uh, Romans 12, it lists gifts that are, to be work, that are to be working active in the church. Right? You got prophecy and serving and teaching, encouraging, giving, leadership, mercy, words of wisdom, words of knowledge, faith, healing, miracles, discerning of spirits, speaking in tongues, interpretation of tongues, helps. Here is the thing. A spirit-filled church has all of these things working in it. And we're not scared of none of them. The final, one of the final services we had shutting this place down back in last January, we had somebody speak in a public tongue. We're closing down worship. And somebody just bust out in tongues. Never had that happen before in the life of our church. So I look over and I'm like, well, this is why I'm the pastor. I should probably do something about it. I get up there, I share with our church what's going on. I shared with them, hey, is there anyone here that you heard something intelligible? If so, tell us. Somebody ra ra raised their hand, gave, ga gave an interpretation of what, so of what somebody said, and it was a powerful moment that even people months after that said that was one of the most incredible things they've ever experienced a witness in the church ever. When it's done in a fitting and right way, Jesus is glorified and people are filled. And y'all, we desire all, all of it. But then too, it's not just gifts, it's fruits. It says that when the Spirit fills you, you're full of love and you're full of joy and you're full of peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Could anyone use a, a little bit of that? Could anybody use a little bit of that? A little more love to, and strength to love those who you don't have the power to love? A little bit of peace in the midst of the insanity of your anxiety in your life. You have a peace that you don't even understand. You have got a joy in them that is not circumstantial based on if you are, if you are on vacation, but you have a joy that is inside of you that is based on a person and not circumstances. It's based on God's love for you. Patience, kindness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. I want it all, y'all. I want it all. Lord, fill me with gifts. Fill me with your fruits. I want it all, and I pray you want it all too. 
because it's available to you. It's there. Here's the thing, right? We're going to close. Acts chapter 19, verse 1 through 2. Holy Spirit empowered church. We see the Holy Spirit move in Acts. And then you come up, Acts chapter 19. This is Paul. He was a traveling missionary evangelist guy who would go to different cities, preach the gospel. And he came to this one specific place, Ephesus, which was a city he planted a church in. That's where we get the book Ephesians from. It says this, while Apollos was in Corinth, Paul traveled through the interior regions until he reached Ephesus on the coast where he found several believers. So here's the thing. These were people that believed in Jesus. And then he said this, did you receive the Holy Spirit when you believed? He asked them. No, they replied. We haven't even heard there is a Holy Spirit. I believe this is exactly where we find most people within the church right now. We haven't even heard there is a Holy Spirit. Following Jesus, loving Jesus, but have not actually experienced being filled with the Holy Spirit. Now, here's the thing. Scripture says this. The Spirit of God draws you to Christ. It says the Spirit convicts you. The Spirit draws you to Christ and essentially takes your hand and puts it in Jesus' hand. And the Spirit is the one that sets that connection up. But then you can also see a direct distinction between following Jesus and being baptized in the Holy Spirit. That's why Paul's like, oh, so you've, you've been a believer in Jesus, but you've never received the Holy Spirit. So Paul is like, yo, this, let's do this. So Paul's like, so this is when Paul placed his hands on them, the Holy Spirit came on them and they spoke in tongues and prophesied. The Holy Spirit filled them and then it said gifts started to come out of them. So, do you even know there is a Holy Spirit available to you? Have you put the Holy Spirit in the back seat? Have, have you let your experience of what, what of whatever, the, whatever you experienced with the Holy Spirit, have you let your experience, have you projected that onto him and basically said, I'm going to put you in a box, Holy Spirit. You can do this, but not that. But also, too, is there even room in you for the Holy Spirit to fill you? I love what Paul says here. Ephesians chapter 5. So this was actually written to the same church he just did Acts 19 in. He said this, don't be drunk with wine because that will ruin your life. So some of y'all, you came today just just to hear that one verse. Because some of y'all need to be reminded of that. Don't get drunk on wine because that will ruin your life, okay? But Paul says, don't be drunk with wine because that will ruin your life. Instead, be filled with the Holy Spirit. Now, here's the thing, right? I don't think Paul is picking on drinking here or picking on, I don't think Paul was picking on being drunk here. He's not saying, hey, there's one sin that blocks the Holy Spirit filling you and that's getting drunk. I think what Paul is saying here is everyone has got a bottle of some sort that they use to fill spots and places within them where the Holy Spirit wants to be. And so really the question is this, what is filling the space inside of you that the Spirit of God can and will fill if you make space? 
Because honestly, I believe the spirit of God in his own way, in his own time, in his own space, place, way, whatever, wants to literally fill every square inch of your being. One thing that I was praying Wednesday night, we had third Wednesday, I was praying, Lord, fill every square inch of them, every brain neuron, every blood vessel, every artery, ligament, just fill them to capacity with all that you are. But the thing is this, right? God can't fill what is already full. So what are you, what are you full of? I think if some of you are completely honest, pride fills you. Greed fills you. Sexual sin fills you. Anger, bitterness, unforgiveness, shame fills you. And the spirit can't fill what's already full. The spirit today is available and willing. Jesus said, it's better that I go. He's here and he wants to fill you today. Can we stand? I want to just right now lead us in a prayer. So just like really quickly, was that somewhat helpful today? Did that help you? I know I went fast. I know I went strong. I know I went, so we covered a lot. That's typically about a two-hour sermon. Let's be straight up with you. And especially too stuttering, that could be a longer sermon. So we got through it though. But here's the thing. Our teams, they've been praying. Like we, we sincerely desire for every person that calls our church home to be filled with the spirit of God and to give all the gifts he wants to fill you, fill you with so we can be a spirit-led and spirit-empowered church. Because y'all, what our world does not need is a cute, hip, cool church. It needs the power of God. It ne- we ain't got time to play games. We ain't got time to be cute. We ain't got time for hype. We need power. You need power. I know you do. Because you can't love some of the people that are in your life without the power of God. You can't have wisdom in and of your own self with some of the things you face without the Spirit of God filling you and giving you words of wisdom. Not just for your life, but for someone else's life. Our world is longing for not just what we preach, but it's longing to say, show me the power. It says in in scripture, Acts, that signs and wonders confirmed the word of God. Basically saying it wasn't the word of God. We should not be seeking signs, but as we seek him, the signs will follow and it will give validation to the message we preach. God loves you. Yes, we we believe that but at the same time we believe as followers of Christ we can be filled with the spirit we can be filled with those gifts and we can speak into somebody's life and say I see this happened in your past today I want to let you know Jesus was there with you walking with you he loves you and I just want to be his physical representation in your life that's what we're called to be church Christians little Christ but we can't do it in our own strength. This church can't do it in its own strength. We need to be emptied so we can be filled. That's what I'm gonna ask you to do. There's gonna be a prayer on the screen. 
So here's the deal, right? We're gonna pray this prayer of saying, God, empty us. And then I wanna pray for this place and for each person here that you would be filled with the Holy Spirit. You ain't got to. So this is a free country. Our church doesn't force nothing. This is, and I mean, you know, like we, it's only, it, Jesus loves you. We love you. We're here to serve and love you. But we believe there is the spirit of God is available to fill you. If there is space and you have a place in you. And here's the thing. We're gonna pray this prayer saying, God, empty us. And, and then here's the thing, right? We're gonna sing this song. It says, the spirit is falling. Oh, open your hands and receive it now. And here's the thing, right? We're gonna have prayer counselors right down here. If you would like for somebody to pray over you and you say, do you, do you know what? And I mean, here's the thing, y'all. One of the hard things to do within this theater is to kind of create places to pray for people. Like we understand it's kind of condensed, awkward, weird. So if you would just say, John, I want to be filled with the Holy Spirit. Now, here's the thing. I believe there are people here today, you need to be refilled. They're, 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 yeah, you're, you're, you're right. And here's the thing, this is not just a kind of, of like one-time filling. This is a line in the sand moment where you say, I, w- I want to be baptized in the spirit. But then that is a continual thing. But here's the thing, like we just, you know, we want to create the environment where whatever you're comfortable with. So if you're more comfortable coming down here, if you're going to stay, whatever. But we've got people available to pray for you if you desire that. But here's the thing, we're, we're gonna pray, empty ourselves, and then we're gonna pray and we're gonna sing this song, Spirit, would you fill us? And then at the end of the day, it's on him. I'm not gonna take you down here and throw you over. I'm not gonna take my coat off and just like hit you with it. <laughs> I'm not doing that, why? Because we believe this is something that he wants to give you. It's not like we have to beg or plead or, he's a good father, you need power. He said he'd give it to you. He wants to give it to you. Receive it. Would you lift up hands? I'm gonna start this prayer, and when I do, if you would just join in with me. Lord, if there is anything filling me that is not of you, take it out. Make room for your spirit. Thank you that you are full of love, kindness, and forgiveness. And it is your kindness that leads me to repent and make space for you. Amen. Thank you again for joining us today. If you need prayer, have any questions about what you just heard, or say yes to Jesus, please reach out to us at lifehousenn.com or text 757-690-2401. We'd love the opportunity to pray for you and help guide you through the next step in your faith journey. In the meantime, we hope you'll join us online next Sunday at 9 a.m. or 1030 a.m. at lifehouseonline.com or in person for a live worship service at 9.30 a.m. or 11 a.m. at the Kiln Creek Regal Theater in Newport News, Virginia. Visit lifehousenn.com for more information or to RSVP for a live service.